Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. This is our Wednesday night Bible class. Welcome. Good to be with all of our listeners today. All of you who want to get into God's Word and dig a little bit deeper, learn a little bit more, and grow spiritually, because faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. So we're thankful to have this opportunity, the ability, and the means to be able to teach God's Word on such a widespread basis through the medium of the internet and by means of these podcasts. We're thankful that there are so many people out there who want to learn. They want to be in God's Word. Now, many cannot be with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ on Wednesday evenings when we meet for midweek Bible classes or at any of, other, any of our other regularly scheduled worship and study sessions because well, many don't live in this area. And even some who do are handicapped in some way, physically or maybe medically, and they cannot get out and be with us in person. So again, we're thankful to be able to teach God's Word and be with you as you want to learn more from God's Word through the medium of the internet and by means of these podcasts. We encourage you to share these studies with everybody you can. You can do that through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means. But you know people in your life who they need to get into God's Word. They need to grow spiritually. And since faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17, you can help them by sharing these studies with them, getting into getting them into God's Word through these studies. Share with your family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, with literally everybody you can. You may help somebody turn their life around, grow in their faith. You may help somebody get to heaven. That'll be a great blessing for them but it will also be a great blessing for you. So make that commitment and start sharing today and every time you possibly can. Now, we also encourage you to tell everybody you can to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Click on the podcast button and sign up for our podcasting. It is free. It always will be free. And when anybody signs up for our podcasting, they will automatically receive to their smart device, whether that's their phone or computer or whichever device they choose, they will receive our Wednesday night Bible class, our Sunday morning Bible class, our all of our sermons, and a daily Monday through Friday radio program called Search the Scriptures. But then they'll also receive a seven-day-a-week short Bible class, only about 13 minutes usually each day, but it's seven days a week, keeping us in God's Word and thereby keeping us strong in our faith. We call that today's Bible class. So tell everybody you can. Now, if you're in or if you know somebody who lives in the Omaha area, tell them to come by and check us out in person. Study God's Word with us, worship God with us, and grow spiritually with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street, 3606 North 108th Street. Bible classes begin on Sunday morning at 9.30, followed by worship at 10.30. Sunday evenings, we come back together at 6 o'clock for another period of worship and Bible study. And on Wednesday evenings, we meet together again right in the middle of the week, 6.30 each Wednesday evening to, for our midweek Bible classes. Now, tell them they're welcome to any and all of our services. And we hope to see anybody who can be with us very, very soon. We're going to get back into our study of Second John, and we may finish this particular 
part of our ongoing study from God's Word today. Maybe, maybe not, but we're going to be looking at uh, some of the closing verses of Scripture here. Now, again, John writes this primarily to the individual Christian, but certainly, who is the church? Well, if you're truly a Christian, a New Testament Christian, you become a Christian by being baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins, Acts 2 and verse 38 and Romans 6 and verse 3, then you are the church. The church is not a building. So many people in the, from the denominational mindset, they talk about some building, church building, as being their church. That's not the church. That's a building where the church is supposed to meet. But now, the church is made up of the individual Christians. The Apostle Paul talks about that in some detail in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So even though Paul is primary, or rather uh, John is primarily focusing this particular letter to the individual Christian, that's also to the church because the church is made up of individual Christians. We are the body of Christ, Roman, uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. Now, let's look at verses 16 and 17, as, again, we're coming toward the end of this particular letter penned by the, by the, the apostle John, but, of course, he was guided to write what he wrote by God through the Holy Spirit. Verse 16, John writes, If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask and he will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. There is a sin leading, or there is sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray about that. Well, so this is something of a complex verse of Scripture because it talks about two different kinds of sin, or maybe two different mindsets within the mind of the individual who commits sin. And so one he identifies as a sin not leading to death, and the other one, he says, is a sin leading to death. He says to not pray for your brother or sister. Now, he's really talking here about brothers and sisters in Christ who have gone astray, because again, he's He's writing this primarily to the church. So he's not talking about biological brothers and sisters, but if anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask and he will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. Well, what would be a sin not leading to death? I, I think John really lays that out for us in the first chapter of 1 John. And from logical reasoning, I think this is a logical understanding of somebody who commits a sin that is not leading to death. John writes there, beginning with verse 5 and going to the end of the chapter, in first chapter 1 of 1 John, he, he goes into some detail talking about, and, and again, he's writing this primarily to Christians, so our sin. You know, sometimes we make mistakes, we commit sin, even as faithful, dedicated Christians. We still, yeah, we succumb to temptation from time to time. Sometimes maybe through ignorance, sometimes through carelessness in our mindset. Sometimes we just give in openly, but prayerfully, hopefully, that's only a temporary setback, just a, a brief slip in our dedication. 
and faithfulness. So beginning with verse 5 of 1 John chapter 1, John wrote, This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Now, what is meant by light and darkness? Well, we see this kind of figure of speech a number of times in the scriptures. The light is talking about righteousness, godliness, faithfulness. And the darkness is talking about ungodliness, unfaithfulness, sin, wickedness, evil. And so God is light, totally righteous, totally pure. And in him is no darkness, no sin at all. God does not commit sin, cannot commit sin because of his nature. He is totally righteous. Then John says in verse 6, if we say we have fellowship with him, that is with God, if we say we're walking with God and we're walking in darkness or we're living in sin, now he says we're lying and we're not practicing the truth. The idea there is if we're living in sin, a sinful lifestyle, then we're not walking with God. We're not walking in the light of godliness and in the light of a relationship with God that is faithful and dedicated and committed consistently. And so he goes on in verse 7 in in chapter 1. He says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, in other words, living, righteous, faithful, dedicated lives before God, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And so if we continue to live in the righteousness of faithfulness to God, then even when we do make a mistake, as we take that to God in prayer through Jesus, the blood that Jesus shed on the cross, it continues to cleanse us of the guilt of our sins. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So again, we still make mistakes We still commit a sin here and there. But he says in verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now, if we confess our sins, verse 9, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So the condition a precondition of being of seeking God's forgiveness is to recognize that we have committed a sin and to repent of that and come to God through prayer in the name of Christ asking for his forgiveness so let's go back to chapter 5 and when John says in verse 16 if anyone sees his his brother again a fellow christian sin, uh, sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask and he will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. And so what would be that sin that is not leading to death? Well, the sin, again, just, just analyzing this from the perspective of what John has written in chapter one and here in chapter five. If we're if we're ready to confess our sins and seek God's forgiveness properly through prayer, through the name of Christ, then again, verse 9 of chapter 1, he, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
But if we do not repent of our sins, we do not seek God's forgiveness. We continue to live in a sinful lifestyle of one kind or another. Then John is saying in chapter 5, I think we can understand, well, don't pray for forgiveness for that brother or sister because they're not repenting of their sins. James also talks about how we need to pray for one another when we commit sin. In James chapter 5 and verse 16, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much or has great power in its effects. So we need to be praying for one another. And because we're human, because we still have our weaknesses, even from a spiritual perspective, the devil's going to continue to work on us. And we are going to become aware from time to time of a brother or sister in Christ who has committed sin. They've drifted off into some kind of sinful, uh, some kind of sinful action on their life, or maybe it's just negligence again. And if they're, if they're repenting of that, if they're seeking God's forgiveness, if they're asking us, please pray for me, then John is saying, pray for that person. That's a sin not leading to death because they're repenting of it and they're seeking God's forgiveness. Now, the idea of praying for a brother or sister in Christ, that's, that's a biblical concept that goes way back. Job may be the oldest book in the Old Testament. And we go all the way back to Job chapter 42. And as God brings this particular book to a close, you remember Job was being chastised repeatedly by three supposed friends who kept accusing Job of being some kind of horrible sinner because of all these boils that had broken out from the top of his head to the sole of his feet, and also for having had all of his children uh, killed in one day, and basically all of his herds and flocks and most of his servants either stolen or killed in one day, in the same day. And, and so Job kept saying, no, I haven't done anything to deserve this. I, I've, I've been faithful to God. But they kept saying, and there's a superstitious kind of line of thought goes on there and still prevails in the minds of some people today. You know, well, if something bad happens to you, you must have done something bad to bring it on. And so they kept chastising him. And, and, and you know, Job kept saying, no, I, I've, I don't know why this has happened. Well, so God steps in in the closing chapters of Job and so here he is addressing those supposed friends who kept accusing Job of sinfulness. And so in, in Job 42, in verse 8, God tells them, Now therefore, take yourselves, uh, take for yourselves seven bulls and seven rams, go to my servant Job and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering, and my servant Job shall pray for you, for I will accept him lest I deal with you according to your folly, because you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. And so there's the principle. Now, I realize he's talking about animal sacrifices there. That was part of the Old Testament practice that God instructed to atone for the guilt of sins. But the principle I'm trying to get across there is God tells those 
those men who have themselves been sinning in their attitude and in their their speech toward Job, he tells them, you go to my servant Job, he's righteous. And you take this offering and, and Job will pray for you. So that, that again is a biblical concept. And that's what James says, again, as we read in James chapter 5 and verse 16, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much or has great power in its effects. Now, John, though, coming back to 1 John chapter 5 and verse 16, he does say, though, now remember the qualification here. If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask and he will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. Okay, a sin not leading to death. Well, if somebody is repenting of their sin, then what did John say in, in chapter 1, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if a person is repenting, a brother, sister in Christ, they've sinned, but if they're repenting, then pray for them. That's a sin not leading to death. They can be forgiven. But then John goes on and he says, there is a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should pray about that. Well, what is a sin leading to death? The first one that might pop into people's minds is what is called blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. In Matthew chapter 12 and verse 31, Jesus said, Therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven men. I've actually had a number of people talk to me through the many years that I've been preaching, and they felt they were guilty possibly of, of that particular sin, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Well, how do we understand what Jesus meant there by blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? Difficult, just as the way it's laid out there. Does that mean that, that there is a particular sin if somehow somebody blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, speaks against the Holy Spirit, that he can never be forgiven, even if he comes to realize his sin and wants to repent of it and seek God's forgiveness? Well, I, I go back to 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 again. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So how do we understand what that particular sin that is called blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, what it, what it is? Well, the best that I have been able to figure, to analyze through a lot of listening to other people, through a lot of reading, through a lot of study, and through a lot of analytical reasoning, is that God, he began with mankind from scratch two different times. First, in the beginning, when he created the first man and the first woman, they knew about God. They, I think we could even say they knew God. They were in the presence of God. I, I think we're to understand from Genesis chapter 13 and Genesis chapter, I'm, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 2 and Genesis chapter 3. At times, I think they actually found themselves in God's presence physically. 
they being physical, God being spirit. But God, it, chapter 3, talks about how God was walking in the garden, and they heard him. Okay. Now, but we understand in that third chapter of Genesis, we have the account that they entered into sin, and sin separates us from God, Isaiah 59 and verse 2, and God expelled them from the garden to keep them away from the tree of life, the fruit of which would have enabled them to be able to live forever physically on this earth. And so now they needed forgiveness. And from Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, God prophesies there that he's going to send the Savior into the world. The rest of the Old Testament points to the Savior coming, that Savior being Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God, God the Son. And so the rest of the Old Testament points to Jesus coming as the Savior. Now, God was ready to forgive mankind through Jesus if mankind would come to God through Jesus as the Savior. And so when even the Jews who had been responsible, at least the leadership, and then many of the Jews disbelieving in, God, in Jesus, disbelieving in him as being their Savior, and, and the leadership certainly instigating his crucifixion on the cross, there when some of the Jews said on Pentecost, ask Peter and the rest of the apostles, what shall we do? Peter didn't say, too late for you guys. You crucified your Savior. No. Peter said, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So they could be forgiven. But now, what if somebody turns away from God's word which is written by men, and we've emphasized this, which, is, which was written by men who were guided by God through the Holy Spirit to write what they wrote. What if they turn away from God's Word and they just resist what it says? They, they don't believe it. They reject it. Remember what Peter wrote in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20. Knowing this, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of men, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So let's say somebody says, well, I just reject what the Bible says. I don't believe it. God, through the Spirit, speaks to us through his word. If we reject his word, which is the Holy Spirit speaking to us, guiding us in God's instructions, God's teachings, through those scripture accounts, then there is no other place we can turn for forgiveness and salvation. Jesus said all kinds of blasphemies can be forgiven. The, Saul of Tarsus, who later became the apostle Paul, became a dedicated Christian gospel preacher, blasphemed against Jesus before he came to his senses, before he came to realize his dire mistake. He was forgiven. But if somebody turns away from the last, the last effort of God, we might consider it, and that is his word to teach us the error of our ways, to teach us about our sinfulness and our need for forgiveness and salvation through Christ, then there is no other avenue for us to ultimately 
come to repentance, come to recognize our error and seek God's forgiveness through Christ. And so in that way, I think we can understand blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. I just reject God's word. Now, there are a whole lot of people who are doing that today. They call themselves atheists, or in some other cases, maybe skeptics and agnostics, but they basically don't believe not only in God, they don't believe in Christ as our Savior, God the Son, they don't believe in the Bible. Well, what other hope is there for them, for forgiveness? I don't think there is any other hope. They've got to come back to God. They've got to come back to what the scriptures teach about their sin, about God, about forgiveness through Christ. So if somebody blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, they don't accept the word of God. I think we can understand they're cutting off all hope that they might have. And so Jeremiah wrote, and and of course, writing God's word here, but he wrote about the people of Israel at a time when they had so totally rebelled against God, had become so unfaithful to God that God says, don't pray for them. I'm not going to listen to any prayer for them right now because they're not repentant. In Jeremiah chapter six, uh, 7, Jeremiah chapter 7, v- verse 16, Jeremiah wrote, and this is God speaking, Therefore, do not pray for this people, nor lift up a cry or prayer for them, nor make intercession to me, for I will not hear you. God's saying, I'm not going to hear you on their behalf. Do you not see what they do in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? The children gather wood, the fathers kindle the fire, the women knead dough and to make cakes for the queen of heaven? There is no such individual. And they pour out drink offerings to other gods, lowercase g, idols, in other words, which are nothing, that they may provoke me to anger? Well, God says to Jeremiah, don't pray for them. I won't listen to any prayer that you bring before me on their behalf. And he also says in chapter 14, Jeremiah chapter 14 and verse 11, then the Lord said to me, do not pray for this people for their good. When they fast, I will not hear their cry. When they offer burnt offerings and grain offering, I will not accept them, but I will consume them by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence. Well, God says, well, why? Because they weren't repentant. Now, even when they offered God some, you know, gesture of worship, it was unfaithful. They were still worshiping idols. And God had warned his people over and over and over again through the Old Testament scriptures, do not get caught up in the worship of idols. Idols are nothing. I am the only God. I am the God. And so there's the principle that we can see that John brings out. If you see a brother sinning a sin that does not lead to death, he's repentant of that sin. He wants forgiveness. Pray for him. But if he's sinning a sin that, is, that, that leads to death, he's not repentant. He rejects forgive, the, the only way to forgiveness through Jesus Christ. He rejects the scriptures. Now, let's say, should you pray for an atheist that he can be forgiven of his, of, of his atheism while he's still practicing atheism? Well, how could you expect God to forgive that person? 
he's still a disbeliever. And so there's that sin leading to death, a person who is not repentant. And then John goes on in verse 17, and he says, he says in verse 17, all unrighteousness is sin, and there is sin not leading to death. And he emphasizes again, there is sin not leading to death. What, what would that be? Going back to, to uh, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, also Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, and even Acts 22 and verse 16, here is Saul of Tarsus who had been hunting down Christians and trying to compel them to blaspheme the name of Jesus. But now he learned his error, and he's, becoming a, he's ready to become a Christian himself. And so Jesus sends a Christian man, Ananias, to teach him the gospel. And he says, why are you waiting? Ananias is saying that to Saul of Tarsus. Why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling in the name of the Lord. But if somebody rejects all of that, rejects God, rejects Jesus, they might say they believe in God, but they reject Jesus as the Savior the Son of God, if they reject God's Word, which the writers wrote through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, then how can you pray for them for forgiveness? You can pray that God will help them see the light, as I believe he did for Saul of Tarsus. But how can you pray for forgiveness God's forgiveness for somebody who's not seeking his forgiveness, who's not repenting of their sinfulness. All unrighteousness is sin. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4, John wrote, whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. We go back to Romans, Romans chapter 4 and verse 15. And here the Apostle Paul writes, Romans chapter 4, verse 15, because the law brings about wrath, for where there is no law, there is no transgression. God has given us his spiritual law through the New Testament scriptures. And when you also look at Romans chapter 5 and verse 13, Paul writes, until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. God's word guides us as to his spiritual law for our lives. We understand sin because God has laid it out for us. Unrighteousness, ungodliness, unfaithfulness to him, violating the instructions, the commandments that God has laid out for us in his word, that's sin. And so here in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 17, all unrighteousness is sin. But then he emphasizes again, there is a sin that is not leading to death. Even when somebody commits grievous sins, when they come to their senses, as Saul of Tarsus did, and seek God's forgiveness, repenting of their sins, and seek God's forgiveness through Jesus Christ, being baptized in order to become Christians so the blood that is shed on the cross can cleanse them of the guilt of their sins, or after having become a Christian, 
repenting and seeking God's forgiveness in prayer in the name of Christ, they can be forgiven. God is faithful and just to cleanse us. Again, what does verse, chapter 1, verse 9 say? John, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, the very beginning of that verse, the condition is if we confess our sins. The understanding there is in repentance and seek God's forgiveness through prayer. We will try to finish up next time, beginning with verse 18, and look at the last few verses of 1 John chapter 5. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for giving us your word to guide us in your truth and to help us to see clearly the whole concept of sin and how it is absolutely opposite of righteousness that comes by living with you, Father, in your will, by your teachings. Help us, and thank you, Father, for giving us the way to see how we can be forgiven of our sins by repenting of them, confessing them to you, and seeking your forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Help people everywhere see that need and that opportunity, Father, we pray. We pray for souls. We pray for our souls. And we give you the glory, Father. Please forgive us and hear our prayer. Gracious Father, in Jesus' name, amen.